Brian Smith here, and welcome to the Dream Path Podcast, where I try to get inside the heads of talented creatives from all over the world. My goal is to demystify and humanize the creative process and make it accessible to everyone. Now let's jump in. Jason Moore, welcome back to our Duocast special recapping last week's episode. Thanks for having me, Brian. As always, it's a real pleasure. We're here to talk about Michelle Ohian. What did you think of that interview? And also, what did you think of her film? I think the interview went great. And yeah, I actually watched um, Strip Down, Rise Up, and I found it to be a very powerful, moving film. I think it's uh, wonderful to see women becoming empowered and taking back ownership of their bodies and the ability to overcome pain that they have probably been holding on to for most of their lives. Um, I think there are a lot of women that have been dealing with shame that maybe they've been holding on to because of toxicity in past relationships or just having to deal with men in their lives that have made them feel ashamed or uncomfortable in their bodies in some way. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just a powerful film. I think Michelle is doing great work and really capturing the essence of the human spirit and the ability for women to overcome pain through sensual dance. It was awesome. Dude, very well said. I don't think I need to add more to that. <laughs> really, I totally agree with everything you just said. I felt like Michelle tapped into something that hasn't been really exposed very much in prior documentaries. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I, I just don't see a lot out there in the media about this type of trauma that women carry with them throughout their lives. And I do know because of my line of work that there's a lot of sexual abuse and exploitation and harassment of women, young girls. It starts when they're very young and it extends throughout their entire lives. Yeah. And the traumas and the micro traumas that are inflicted upon them by men and by the media and the expectations they have about body image issues, you know, men just don't have an understanding, a good enough understanding of that to be able to empathize with them. That's true. And I thought what Strip Down, Rise Up did for me was it tapped into that empathy that we're all capable of having for fellow human beings. Mm -hmm. But where do you find it? And I think it's through story. That's how we really understand someone's journey is through a story that we're told or that we see unfold. And that's what's so beautiful about Strip Down, Rise Up is you see this story or a bunch of miniature stories of the subjects of the film, and they're all different. They come from all walks of life. One's a gymnast who was abused by her gymnastics coach, Larry Nassar. That's right. You know, another one was a, kind of a repressed or oppressed woman who was in a marriage that was um, not good from the sounds of it. I mean, she was kind of held back by her husband and wasn't allowed to have her own Instagram account, yeah. um, highlighting her pole dance skills. It's a really solid documentary. I found myself tearing up multiple times throughout the footage, especially of these therapy sessions. I, I call them therapy sessions. They're really just dance classes, but they became therapeutic to these women. Yeah. And you see them breaking down and becoming so vulnerable in these classes. And I just couldn't help but feel moved by that. Yeah. Well, it's heartbreaking. It is. But it's also inspiring to see them kind of pushing through that and coming out the other side as healed in some ways, or at least on a healing journey. 
Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, it was nice of Michelle to sit down with me for that interview. When I booked the interview, I really did not know the extent of her filmography. I knew she had this new documentary, Strip Down, Rise Up. I didn't realize that she was an Academy Award-nominated filmmaker. And so I started going through her filmography. I'm like, wow, I need to add these to my list, my queue, and start watching some of these films because she is a really talented storyteller. Yeah, I noticed that too, and I'm planning on watching some more of her work. I'm glad we were able to talk to Michelle and get her perspective on cinema verite filmmaking. I had to look up that term, cinema verite, but I think the style of how she filmed this documentary fits exactly within that definition, which is basically being a fly on the wall and allowing the story to unfold naturally and organically without inserting yourself into the story, without trying to direct too much, without trying to produce too much and influence what is happening on camera. Right. That was really interesting to hear her perspective on that because I never thought about the different styles of documentary filmmaking. And you do see that with a lot of these Netflix series that the filmmaker does sort of insert themselves into the process. They may not be on camera themselves, but they're asking questions of the subjects, they're doing interviews. I just watched a QAnon documentary on HBO. Fantastic, by the way. Kind of mind-blowing, actually. Learned a lot about QAnon and uh, how freaking nuts those people are, by the way. <laughs> yeah. That is a completely different style of storytelling and filmmaking, where the director of the film is in it. Like, he's actually on film, and he's interviewing these folks, and he's being filmed flying to Manila, the Philippines, and so he is part of the story, but Michelle was never part of the story. She was the fly on the wall. And I think we can all appreciate both styles of filmmaking, but it's really fun to actually learn the differences between those styles and be aware of that as you're watching these documentaries. Oh yeah. She did a great job. She did. So Jason, yeah, I wanted to tell you that I got an email this morning. Okay. And it was a notification of a review I got from someone named Jim Lambie. Hmm. He listened to the Michelle O'Hayan interview. Okay. And he said through a Podbean review, very interesting interview. Well done on the pace and questions. I learned about a director new to me and the questions were insightful, leading to interesting answers. So Jim Lambie, if you're listening, thank you for the feedback. For everyone else who has not left a review, you would make my day and Jason's day if you took the time to do that. It takes just a couple of minutes on whatever platform you're listening to, whether it's Podbean or Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You know, you could leave a star review or even say a few words like Jim did. It really means a lot to us and it helps keep us motivated to crank out the content that we're cranking out. So thanks, Jim. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank you. Another thing I wanted to talk about, Jason, is I kind of cryptically mentioned this the last time we spoke. Mm -hmm. uh, I said that I'm going to be interviewing a comic named Monica Nevy. She is doing a stand-up show here in Yakima at the Seasons Performance Hall. And I didn't want to say her name until the interview was locked in. Now, nothing is ever done until it's in the can, until the uh, interview is recorded and in your hard drive. Right. So I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, <laughs> but she's a Seattle comic and she has agreed to be interviewed. This is the first time that I will be interviewing a performer who will be at the season's performance hall here in Yakima. 
And I think we're going to do something pretty special with this. We're going to try to do it in conjunction with a series of performances at Seasons Performance Hall, including a bunch of stand-up shows. So I think Seasons is trying to become a go-to venue for comics in the Pacific Northwest, kind of like Helium Comedy Club out of Portland. And so I had a really good conversation with Pat Strosall out of Seasons about this, and I can't say too much about it because it isn't locked in yet, but I think I'm going to be doing a lot more interviews of folks who are performing at Seasons Performance Hall, and Monica will be that first guest. So really looking forward to that. Right on, Brian. We finally have a name. Yeah, yeah. Monica Nevy is her name. Check out her website. She's got a YouTube channel. She's got an Instagram where she posts some of her bits and uh, her comedy bits, I should say. Don't want to be too weird on here. But, um, <laughs> her bits. <laughs> <laughs> but she's, you know, she's really uh, fantastically funny and unique in how she approaches stand-up. I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays here in Yakima, which might be a tough crowd. Who knows? They're not really used to stand-up comedy here in Yakima. No. I think it's going to go fine, and I can't wait, actually, to hear it. So, Jason, what do we have coming up next? Uh, we have an interview with set designer Ray Deslich. Yeah, I talked to Ray a couple of weeks ago, and at the time, there was a lot of buzz about Promising Young Woman. Oh, yeah. And that buzz has kind of reached a crescendo since that interview because of all of the award nominations for Promising Young Woman for Golden Globes and, and the wins that they got at the Golden Globes, but also the Academy Awards, the 93rd Academy Awards is very competitive and probably the crown jewel of all of the film prizes out there. Mm -hmm. And Promising Young Woman has been nominated for Best Picture, for Best Actress, for Carrie Mulligan, Best Director, for Emerald Fennel, Best Original Screenplay, Best Film Editing, and Ray Deslich got to be a part of that. So we spoke a lot about Promising Young Woman and Ray's approach to the set design issues in that film, which I loved. And I watched a second time with my family. And the first time, of course, was at Sundance. Yeah. And as you may remember, that's when I talked to the film's composer, Anthony Willis. That's right. That interview was great. And then the pandemic hit. And then I think there was a lot of uncertainty about, you know, when is this movie going to hit theaters? And it turns out that it kind of launched on streaming platforms, like a lot of movies are doing these days because theaters are not widely open right now. No. But despite those limitations, Promising Young Woman made a huge splash, and it was such a privilege to talk to Ray about their contribution to that film. And you know what I love about talking to folks that are behind the scenes of these movies is you realize when you start to get granular with films, like looking at color choices and the types of furniture that are used in certain scenes and clothes and the color palette that the director and the set designer and the production designer use to create that vibe and create that aesthetic, you start to really appreciate all of the folks behind the scenes. And so I find myself looking at film credits a lot more since I started this podcast. After I'm done with a really good film, I'll actually let the credits roll. And I'm like, okay, who was the editor? Who was the production designer or the set designer? Kind of geeky questions but it really gives you a good sense of the team effort that it takes to put together amazing films like Promising Young Woman. Well, yeah, I've actually kind of been doing the same now. You know, anytime I watch something, you notice more now after talking to these people, I start to notice things like what's going on in the background and the set and how it looks and the colors and how they make things pop. And mm -hmm. you kind of, you know, as a, as a regular film person, 
just watching a movie, you don't always pay attention to that kind of stuff. It's just part of the movie. But when you start to interview these people, it kind of makes you go, oh, yeah, I never even thought of that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very interesting to learn as we're going along here about filmmaking and the different departments involved and what it takes to make a film. Yeah. How I met Ray Deslich was through Audrey Sirawat. Do you remember Audrey? I do. Another set designer, huh? She's a production designer. Production designer, yes. And a similar department, but production designers, I think, if I remember correctly, are kind of in charge of the bigger picture, and then the set designer will work underneath and under the supervision of the production designer. But Audrey texted me a few weeks ago and was like, hey, I want to introduce you to Ray Deslich. And I tell you, Jason, I so much appreciate those connections that I have with prior guests like that when they think about me and they think about us and this podcast for being able to feature their friends and colleagues in the film industry. It just makes me feel like what we're doing is really special and making an impact with the folks that we interview. Absolutely. Those connections that we've made over the last couple of years are really starting to flower. The connections that I make with publicists and prior guests is resulting in a lot of activity in terms of inquiries from folks that want to be interviewed on the show. And it's super exciting to have all of these choices to make. I've never really been trying to scramble to put guests together and fill the calendar with content. Right. But it has been a hustle sometimes, as you know. I mean, you and I talk about it. And now, after two years, there's really no shortage of guests. In fact, I have to turn down a lot of folks and I have to make some tough choices because we just don't have the time to put out three, four episodes a week like I would love to do. Yeah, that would be, that'd be great. Yeah. So we do, you know, one episode or one interview every two weeks and then we do a dual cast after each interview and it results in one episode being launched every week. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but I tell you, Jason, sometimes I wonder how we're able to do what we do even at one episode per week. It's a lot more work than I originally anticipated when I started the podcast, but it certainly is fun and rewarding. Yes. It's worth it when it comes down to it. It's, a, it's worth it in the end, you know? Yeah. Well, it's good to have you along on this journey, my friend. I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm glad to see it grow. Right on. It's like our little podcast baby. <laughs> I know that sounds, that sounds weird, but yeah. you know, it is. When you take on something like this, this is, it, this is us. This is a product of us and we're we're growing it mm -hmm. and it's, it's happening right before our eyes. Yep. And making a lot of friends along the way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, brother Jason. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for inviting me along again, Brian. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, I have a favor to ask. Can you go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave me a review? Your feedback is what keeps this podcast going. You can also check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook with the handle at DreamPathPod. And as always, go find your dream path. <laughs>